Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Conspiranormal with your host, Adam Sane, and your co-host, yours truly, Luke Reed. What's up, <laughs> Luke? How's What's it going, up? man? What's up? That's my announcer voice, dude. Uh, I know. It was very impressive. Thanks, man. You should, uh, you should really think about uh, a football doing announcement career. Doing voiceover work. <laughs> so, uh, what you been up to? Uh... A little bit of drinking, sprained my ankle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, how'd you sprain your ankle? I was uh, in a trampoline gym trying to show off. We were the only adults jumping there, and I was trying to show off in front of my girlfriend, so I tried to do a front flip off the side tramp wall and come down and landed all my weight on top of my leg, and my ankle made a popping sound. Trying to show off for your woman? Yeah, we were the only adults jumping. The rest of the, the whole gym is just filled with kids. Sounds like fun, man. <laughs> it was. It was a blast and up until that point. Now that you can, now that you can barely walk. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we're recording on a uh, on a different computer tonight than right. usual. Like One, an actual better computer. That has a good sound card in it. Yeah, because my, uh, my other computer just decided to just go, you know, just die. So we're still working on that. Good old trusty Dell. But uh, we just inter- we just listened to it, something really interesting. Uh, this is an interview done with a guy named I think his name was Michael Shrimpton, uh, on a British on a local uh, radio station in Bristol, England, and it's talking about the Jimmy Savile case. If no one's familiar with that, that's the case where the famous uh, DJ was uh, accused of molesting various children um, after he died. Uh, 
and it's talking about uh, basically talking about how there was a pedophile ring that involved a former ex-prime minister and so he's talking about this and uh, the presenter asks him a question and he says he just mentions something to the effect of well you know we're the good guys because talking about how the British intelligence services are the good guys because we're the good guys because the Germans and somehow he's talking about like German uh, intelligence services through the whole thing because the Germans would never set up get Mexican uh, drug cartels to go in and shoot up a school like Sandy Hook he just mentions that and then just goes on yeah we have here in America have never heard any kind of theory involving some kind of Mexican drug cartel shooting up Sandy Hook no, I don't think anybody in England has heard of that either that's just completely outlandish and just off the wall. Uh, yeah. Well, what's bizarre about it is that he just mentions it as like, oh, yeah, it was Mexican drug Nonchalantly. And, and then, the, then the other guy, the interviewer or whatever, didn't even Doesn't flinch. even impress him on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, does the guy know something? Because he was involved with the MI6 uh, intelligence, and uh, he wrote a book called Spy Hunter, which, as I understand, apparently nobody can find. Uh, he's a barrister in England, which means he's a lawyer, I believe. That's what that means. And uh, just very bizarre. He'll probably die soon. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably find him uh, strangled himself or something like that. Uh, Most likely a heart attack. So, Luke, I understand you were looking into e-cigarettes uh, before uh, Yeah. Um, we got started. I would just seen an advertisement on, on Adam's computer about e-cigarettes, and I just looked up the... Uh, because I've been kind of wondering, you know, some of my friends are like, oh, look what I got, you know, showing off their yeah. new little toys. And uh, I'm like, wow, you know, that's great. And uh, I know there has to be some kind of health risk involved. So I looked it up, and it turns out the FDA is actually against them and uh, lists like four or five bad chemicals that show up in all of the, the uh, brands that they had tested in the FDA trials. These are the cigarettes that people, well, they, they don't, they're, they're the smokeless. They just give out water vapor and just uh, deliver nicotine. Right. And a, a lot of people are under the impression that it's going to help them, like, wean them off of cigarettes, uh, you know, help them quit smoking. But uh, the FDA says right here it contains diethylene glycol, a poisonous and hydroscopic liquid. And uh, those are in the smoking everywhere. Those, those are the cartridges from Smoking Everywhere Company. And uh, tobacco-specific nitrosamines, known cancer-causing agents, were found in almost every cartridge that the FDA tested in the trials. Um, and as well as anabasine and myosmine. And I don't know what those are. I've never heard of them at all. But uh, apparently they're not good. <laughs> it must be good for you, man. <laughs> Yeah, they might help you quit smoking, but they'll give you cancer in the meantime, and yeah, and also uh, cause no neuro problems. Well, that's a good trade-off for lung cancer, I think. Yeah, yeah. Get some neurotoxic uh, toxicity in your in your system. If everybody would only smoke uh, American spirits, we'd all be all right. <laughs> yeah, you could be a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hips hipsters are health conscious, man. That's right, man. Uh. Anything else on your mind lately? Uh, oh, there's been a few things. I guess I could try to recall throughout the show, but hmm, hmm, nothing much. Well, anyway, 
We have on tonight uh, Doc Marquis. He is a former Illuminati witch. Yeah. And we talked about him uh, last week a little bit with Chris, who, by the way, isn't here again tonight. So He's got an important job to we do. We, of course, miss him, and the show is going to be woefully incomplete and not be <laughs> as good as usual right? as if Chris, when Chris is not here. This, this episode so. will get 10 downloads versus Chris's 100-something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it is the best when Chris is here. You know, it's only it's only quality when he's here. Top shelf. But, uh, yeah, so we have uh, we have Dot Marquis coming on. Uh, I hope it will be an interesting interview uh, to talk about, like, uh, the Illuminati and how he was an Illuminati witch. And uh, we want to talk a little, try to get him to talk a little bit about the Illuminati cards, too, Luke. Yeah, which I know is something that you're you're kind of interested I I, in. Yeah, I think I talked about him on an old show or whatever, but yeah, uh, I don't really see him as a tool for for divination or whatever or, or prediction. But uh, it is it's strange. It's well, strange. Well, they were a role playing game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like uh, a card role playing game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I understand it as. It's kind of, it's just like a trading card. I, I, yeah. I never looked into how to play the game or whatever, but um, you know. The, the card that comes to my attention is the one depicting a president that looks just like Obama, and these cards were made in 1995. And he's got, like, stuff thrown at him. And you know, the card, the name like of the card is Backlash, yeah. yeah. And then you've got uh, Combined Disasters, and there was this whole deal that I found uh, when I looked up that card that said that that was uh, the earthquake in Japan, you know, and that clock, right. the clock tower that was illustrated on the card was exactly like some kind of clock tower in... Uh, what city was it that got hit the hardest? Uh, was Kyoto? Well, it was... Well, Tokyo wasn't hit as hard. Uh, it was... Uh, I can't remember the name of the city. It started with an M. With an N. Uh, uh, but it, that was the epicenter of it. But Tokyo had some damage, but it wasn't as bad as... Right, right. It was like in the northern part of, Na- of Nagasuke of or Japan. something like that? I'm not, no. I don't remember. No. Who? Put me on the spot there, man. I can't yeah. <laughs> That's how uh, I feel all the time. Yeah, we want to try to get them to talk a little bit about that. Uh, as far as I know, that they're just role-playing games. They're based on the Illuminati series, right. which was uh, written by Robert Anton Wilson, I think, in the 70s and the 80s. And then they, the cards came out in the 90s. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that whole, like, kind of uh, <laughs> Illuminati and Discordian and uh, Church of the Subgenius kind of... Uh, you know, melange there between uh, just kind of, it's all kind of tongue in cheek and all this kind of a weird, uh, <clears throat> you know, so it's, it's, I, I don't know. We'd have to get his opinion on it and see what, what he thinks, what he thinks they are. It should so. definitely be fascinating. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm sure it will be. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is a guest I've want to have on for a while. So hopefully everything records well and uh, we don't have another disaster. Like we did a few weeks ago, so gonna uh, cross my fingers. Uh, so if there's nothing else that we want to do, we'll just go straight to the guest. Let's do her. All right, and we'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal. Okay, we are back on Conspiracy Normal, and we are happy to have Doc Marquis on the line. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Doc. Thank you. How, How you, are you doing, doing tonight, Adam and Luke? Uh, we are good. Can't complain. 
Blaine. Good. Uh, so we brought you on uh, tonight. Uh, we talk about uh, the Illuminati and yeah. uh, your experiences being in the Illuminati and how you got out of the Illuminati. And uh, if you could kind of go uh, into who you are, and we'll kind of go into that story. Okay, well, basically, I was raised in a family of Illuminati witches. This is um, nothing unusual, because when you look deep enough into the Illuminati, you'll find out that there's a very lot of old bloodlines that go into this particular order. In my family situation, my family um, bloodline goes all the way back to 1789. So when I was three years old and I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, I was at that point a seventh generation witch. Now, after I went through my dedication ceremony, for the next 10 years of my life, I was put into what's known as the outer court. Now, the outer court, as I always explain it, is best understood as the Illuminati's version of a seminary. This is where it taught, taught all the rites, the rituals, um, human sacrifice, how to practice human sacrifice, astrology, gematria, numerology, high magic, low magic. This is where it taught it. But at the same time, I was, as I stated, from a bloodline that at that point was almost 200 years long. So I was learning a lot of other things about key players in the order of the Illuminati. I mean, <laughs> stuff no one's ever going to find out. Well, anyways, by the time I was 13 years old, I was brought to my dedication ceremony. Now, after a two-hour-long ceremony, um, the high priest stood me before the altar. The first thing that was put on that altar was a book that was made out of lamb's hides. Now, this in the occult world is known as the Book of the Dead. The second thing they put on it was a quilled feather. The third thing they put on it was a silver knife that's, in the, again, in the occult world is known as athame. The high priest picked up that silver knife. He cut my right arm wide open. I had to take that quilled feather dip it in my blood, and sign my new occult name in the Book of the Dead. Once I did that, I was fully initiated as a first-level Illuminati witch, or was also known as a Druid priest. Um, oh, yeah, this, believe it or not, this is a common practice. This is nothing unusual. This is just run-of-the-mill type of stuff when you're dealing with the Order of the Illuminati and many other occult groups. So, Doc, is this something that you're born into? Well, in my case, yes. Now, not everyone is born into a family of Illuminati witches. They're just, isn't enough families to keep such a large group going? It just couldn't happen like that. You see, they had many recruiting um, drowns, if you would. Um, by that, they're looking for very specific um, individuals with a one-world mentality. So this is why they set up places like um, Skull and Bones, Skrill and Keys, um, 
at Cambridge University in England. You could become a Rhodes Scholar, but that's only if you have that one world outlook. Um, one of your more recent presidents, um, Bill Clinton, claimed he was a Rhodes Scholar. That's a lie. He never graduated. He never completed. But you can tell from Bill Clinton, he has that one world, new world order mentality. And that's what they're looking for at these different recruiting places and establishments which they created. And um, the evidence, uh, well, I think the evidence speaks for itself nowadays. Even in America, they're trying to literally take us over and put us under that one world, new world order. I think it's quite apparent by now. Let's just take a look at what the usurper to the White House has been doing, and I do mean Obama. For a year now, all he's been doing is trying to um, go against the Constitution and take away our Second Amendment rights. Well, when we look throughout history, such as Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, Fidel Castro, and so many others, the one thing they always did before they took over the nation was to take away the weapons. This way, no matter how badly the people resisted, well, they had all the weapons. There was nothing that the malcontents, shall we say, could do about it at that point. Right. And this is why, when we consider the mentality of our forefathers, they knew, they knew something like this could happen again because America was established because Englishmen broke away from the British crown, that would have been um, George III at the time, I believe it was, um, who was a tyrant. And if we look at the Constitution, it tells us we are allowed by right to, uh, to keep these weapons and should the case arise to use them against a tyrannical government. I think it's it speaks for yourself. What do you think? Well, I think it's pretty clear. Right. There's, <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of methods of takeover. Uh, you know, I've, recently I've been watching documentaries about uh, the narco-terrorism and everything that's going on across seas with Russia and surrounding countries. Uh, there's, uh, they're just branching out from all angles and taking over more and more countries, just inadvertently, too. Well, this is something that they finally, shall we say, really turned the screws on. Because in the writings of the Illuminati, the one thing that they stated categorically that they would do is that they would create so many wars that we would accept peace at any price. Now, when we consider what's been going on, especially since 9-11. It's been 13 years almost. We haven't had a moment's peace in this country yet. This is the longest, the most dragged-out war that I'm aware of that we've ever been involved in. Yeah, absolutely. It's gone on for quite a while. <laughs> and I know 
because I'm out there um, doing many speaking engagements, radio shows, television shows, so on and so forth. I know what the people have been telling me. They are just so sick and tired of all these wars. Yeah. This is exactly what the Illuminati wants to put everyone into so that they will surrender their weapons or whatever it takes just for a moment um, worth of peace. Well, Doc, what is the... Uh, what, uh, getting back to kind of your your own personal experiences with them, you said when you were 13, they took you to a ritual. Uh, what What happened after that? Well, I was going through the ranch like anyone else, except, as I said before, I had 200 years worth of family history and other, shall we say, dark secrets about the Illuminati I was, I was learning at that point. Yeah. But when I was 17, something interesting had happened. This would have been, oh, the late 60s, early 70s, when all these things were coming about. You see, the order of the Illuminati at that point had been trying to infiltrate the United, um, the branches of the United States, um, you know, the military branches, you know, the Army, Navy, Marines, and the, and, um, the Air Force. Sure. But um, the problem was they were trying to send their own people in under chaplain status. Now, that's not to say um, these Illuminati witches were saying, hi, when the Illuminati were trying to become chaplains. No. What they were doing was claiming that they were members of witchcraft and that they were trying to, you know, go in under chaplain status, just like any other religion. Well, that might have been the day and age of, you know, flower power and the hippies, but even then, they weren't going to allow people in the occult under chaplain status. Not back then, not yet. Nevertheless, <coughs> excuse me, um... The Illuminati was going to um, do this anyways. So they literally sent in hundreds of us at once to join the various um, branches of the United States Armed Forces. And we went in with a three-pronged attack. Now, the first part of this plan called for us to set up a fully operative covering at every single military base we ever were um, stationed at. It didn't matter which one, we were to set up a fully operative coven. The second part of this plan, we were to recruit key members of those bases into the covens we established. This way, whatever they had access to, we now had access to. And the third part of that plan called for us to make sure that every single occult religion in America would receive federal recognition and status. And unfortunately, Adam and Luke, we were just too good at what we wanted to do. Because if you check, let me think, that's the Army Chaplain's Handbook on Religious Requirements that I believe is the April 28, 19, I want to say it's 1978 edition. For the very first time in all of U.S. history, you will find listed major occult religion in those chaplains' handbooks. We're talking their um, Sabbaths, their um, um, the instruments that they use for their practices, burial rites, religious services, name it. It's in the chaplains and the army chaplains' handbook now. And 
people would look at all these other bases around, well, as a matter of fact, now that I think of it, that um, Air Force training base, I believe it's the one in Colorado Springs, Colorado. They just put in another sacred, um, sacred circle there for anyone who wants to worship any of their occult religions um, is allowed to use that sacred circle for whatever occult reason. Um, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, are, are these are, can can these rings uh, be found in every city, like every major city? Sacred circles. Yes. Uh, well, it really depends on which group it is. But if it's Illuminati, um, you can find it in the major cities. Yes. I've uh, I've kind of searched for something like that, some, you know, a meeting here in Nashville, and I haven't been successful in finding anything like that. So, but, well, that's because you don't know what you're supposed to be looking for. Y- yeah, it's but, not um, as if they're going to make it um, easy or obvious. No, you, if, especially if it involves the Illuminati, you have to be trained by the Illuminati so you know exactly what you're looking for, or you're always going to miss it. Right. I, I can guarantee. So you were in this uh, kind of infiltration program, and uh, what what happened to you? What happened to you next? Well, let's see. This would have been back in let me think. It's about the summer of seventy six. Now, I was walking. I was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, and I was walking down the road, um, going to the PX because there was a couple of supplies I needed to pick up. And along the way, I ran into a colleague of mine, someone who was also in the medical business. You know, this is no one I really knew, just an acquaintance. Well, anyway, so we're striking up a conversation, and for about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes later, he had to go somewhere. But before he left, he asked me what I thought was the silliest question on God's earth. Well, at least back then. Now, remember, I'm an Illuminati witch at this time. He asked me if I wanted to go to church with him on Sunday. Now, could you see me, a Luciferian witch back then, setting foot inside of a Christian church? I mean, my goodness, that would have been the first time in history I think the Baptist really would have fell in on my head. I think you would have, like, um, set on fire or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, something. I mean, I would have gone up in flames. But, um... Let's just say, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I said, but let's just say the answer was no. Sure. Well, anyways, for the next three years of my life, no matter where I went, and I mean no matter how far I went, there was some born-again Christian just waiting in the raptors to witness to me. Well, to make a very long story short, I finally understood what I was doing in light of what the Christians were telling me all along. So it was on April 15, 1979, and I own up to the fact I was a sold-out slave of Satan at that point. But on that same day, I left as a born-again child of the king, and I'd been fighting against the order of the Illuminati, their plans for the New World Order, exposing everything that they've been doing for the last almost, what, it's been almost 34 years now. Right. So, so knowing what you know, 
I mean, do you have a good idea of of what the sequence of the of of takeover is? Well, yes, I've never forgotten them. Sure. I mean, I mean, you say I've been in for I was in for twenty years. I've been fighting against against them for thirty four. So. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got 54 years worth of um, knowledge about the Illuminati, inside or outside. But one thing is guaranteed, I can tell you. It was back on May 1st, 1776, when Dr. Adam Weishaupt, who was, um, who held, I should say, the chair of the professorship of Jewish canon law at the University of Ingolstadt in Bavaria, Germany, he established the order of the Illuminati with the help of his friend, Maya Amschel Bauer, who would later change his last name to Rothschild. Now, does that name sound familiar at all? Yeah, it does sure to does. me, yep. Yeah, you got to believe it. The House of Rothschild. Anyway, oh, yeah. The Rothschild family, the one people who sits down every day in the city, as it's known as, in London, and they establish the fixed price of gold every single day. Well, anyways, basically what had happened, back in 1773, the um, Catholic um, Church, well, I should say the Vatican, excuse me, had received quite a number of complaints from various monarchs and nations throughout Europe. The problem was the Jesuits were interfering in everything. Finally, those monarchs sent letters to the Pope. That would have been, let me think, back then that would have been, I want to say that was Pope Clement II, or the third, one of the two, I believe it was. The three common complaints they had against the Jesuits was, one, for a priestly order, they were fabulously wealthy. Two, they were constantly interfering in the political affairs of the monarchy and of the nation. And three, the Jesuits answered only and only to the Pope. Not even civil law or state law could touch them. Well, the various nations and monarchs sent their letters to the Pope and quite a number of them, even before the Pope said anything, they told the Jesuits, pack up and get out of their countries. Eventually, in 1773, the Pope bent to the will of those European leaders because he didn't want to lose his control over Europe. So Dr. Adam Weishaupt in 1773, who was also a Jesuit priest, now became a defrocked Jesuit. And he had a very, very big axe to grind at that point because of it. So when Weishaupt, when I'm, excuse me, when Rothschild and his, and 12 of his most financially influential friends um, approached him, um, they, they basically invited him over, you know, to his mansion one evening with his friends. And basically, they told him, excuse me, we know you have the occult knowledge and genius to put it together. We've got the money. You do it, we'll back it. 
basically that's how the Illuminati was formed. Now, it took Vitop. Now, let me explain something about Vitop. Yeah. Vitop was one of those rare geniuses. If you're lucky, you get one or two of them in a generation. Just like um, Nikola Tesla and um, Einstein for the um, um, early parts of the 20th century. They were two geniuses that just couldn't be touched. <laughs> well, anyways, Weishaupt one of, was one of those rare geniuses. So for three years, he sat down and basically came up with all the plans, the goals, everything about the order of the Illuminati. He leaned heavily upon the ancient Babylonian teachings that we find under the original co-founders of the very first religion on the earth, and that was witchcraft. Those co-founders would have been Semiramis and Nimrod. And he took all of that and extrapolated and furthered the goals and everything about it to where he came up with a seven-part plan that called for, and the seventh part called for what he called the creation of a novice order, a clorum, or a new world order. Now, too, Doc, was he, uh, he was influenced by Freemasonry as well, I believe. No, no. You see, it was Vitaub hmm. who sent his right-hand man. You see, okay, let me explain this. Okay. Um, in the early days of the order of the Illuminati, Vitaub himself, infiltrated other occult schools and, and societies of his day and age, like the Masons, the Rosicrucians, um, based out of Jacobinism, so on and so forth. <coughs> Excuse me. And what he was doing, he was taking out the best and brightest minds out of those other occult schools and putting them in his own. Now, it was his right-hand man, Baron Adolf von Knig, who he sent and met with the 23 Supreme Masonic representatives of the world back in 1782. Now, after Knig met with those representatives for 30 different sessions, it was on July 16, 1782, at what's become known as the Congress of Willemsbad in Germany, they signed... Um, a, a blood contract vowing to follow Biosop's seven-part plan towards the creation of the New World Order. So from that moment on, the Illuminati didn't have to worry about meeting places or things like that. They've been um, uh, meeting at the Masonic Lodges ever since that date and age. The hardcore fact here... Hello? I think we lost him.
Doc. I don't know what happened. Neither do I, but I can tell you this much. Out of the last 12 shows I've, I've done, 10 of them, the um, same thing has happened, or someone has been sending a signal to jam the show. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They've been doing everything, you know, to, you know, shut me up. Okay, I think we were talking about, uh, are you there? I'm listening. Okay, I think we were talking about uh, the infiltration of Freemasonry with uh, Adam Weishaupt. Right. Now, do you remember um, where we left off? Uh, we were talking about uh, how he was infiltrating. Uh, he was, uh, and they were meeting with um, with other Masonic, group, okay. Masonic groups. Yeah. What was going on? Um, Adam Weishaupt had sent his right hand man, Baron Adolf von Knig, to meet with the representatives from the 23 Supreme Masonic Councils of the world. Now, after meeting with them for 30 different sessions, those representatives signed a seven, I mean, they, I should say, they signed a blood contract vowing to follow Dr. Bishop's seven-part plan towards the creation of a new world order. And once that happened, now this was back at the famous Congress of Willemsbad, that was July 16, 1782. Once they did that, the Illuminati didn't have to worry about setting up their own temples or places to meet. They've been meeting in those Masonic temples ever since. The hardcore fact is that ever since that date, um, not only have the Illuminati been meeting in these temples, <laughs> but 95% of all nations haven't got a clue what's going on within their old temples. It's only the top 5% that really know the truth of what's going on because they're in the order of the Illuminati to begin with. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the inner circle. Oh, yes. Yes. It's only, as it says, it's only the top 5% that really knows what's going on within the Masonic world. Um, and the Masons actually think that they're just a bunch of good people trying to do a bunch of good deeds, um, following a nameless God, and um, believing that so long as they stick to their Masonic oaths and obligations, um, they will make it to the um, great um, grand geometrician of the universe. So eventually, the Illuminati uh, was was banned, at least in Germany, I believe. What's that? The Illuminati was eventually banned in Germany. Well, yes. You see, what had happened? That would have been right around 1785. That um, let, let me think. That would have been um, uh that's it. Duke Carl Theodore, who was um, the elector of Bavaria, had received information um, from various sources that the Illuminati had been formed and that certain, let's say, influential people were a part of it. And you see, this is what really got his attention because what had happened, oof, by the time 1789 had rolled around, 
the 2000 wealthiest and most influential um, political people in Germany were part of the order of the Illuminati. And this really gave um, Duke Carl Theodore pause for consideration because, I mean, think about this. What could you and I do right now if we had in America, under our control, the 2,000 wealthiest or, more, or most politically influential people? Could you imagine what we could do? Yeah, really. Wow, so you change some things, probably. Well, you see, um, this was going on in Germany back then, except it was for the, um, the, um, the evil people. Comfrey, um, Duke Carl Theodore, once he received all the necessary information, he actually was able to round up quite a number of the um, members of the Illuminati, and eventually Bishop also. But... Um, Shortly after he gave his testimony, Weishaupt escaped um, and was hidden away in another country for the rest of his life in Wittenberg. But, even though um, Duke Carl Theodore had outlawed and disbanded the Order of the Illuminati two times, they still thrive to this very day. The truth of the matter is, he had sent out, I believe it was, 25 letters to other monarchs and um, leaders of various nations and warned them of the order of the Illuminati and sent them the transcript of the court case. The sad part is, none of them listen. And if we look just into, you know, the immediate future, right around that time, if you check the writings of the order of the Illuminati, they themselves proclaimed that they were the cause behind the great French Revolution. And it's not that um, the king and queen back then weren't warned. They were warned. But they figured that was France, and Germany was over there. This, you know, doesn't affect them. And even um, the queen's own sister now warned her of what was going on, um, she basically said, no, no, you, you obviously don't understand. And unfortunately, less than a year later, the um, Great French Revolution had happened and Queen Marie Antoinette and her husband were executed. What was the, uh, what do you think the plan was for, for France? Do you think that they really wanted to try to, uh, to, to really take it over? Well, yes, you see, France was just the first step in a many, many, many tiered steps that they would have to take to overthrow the monarchies of Europe. That was one of um, Weishaupt's major goals. He had to get rid of the monarchy because back then, well, let's face it, in, in Europe especially, we were governed by kings and queens, and they ruled under what they believed was divine right or divine rulership. <clears throat> well, Weishaupt um, was solely against that because, remember, this was the individual who was going to send up, you know, a one-world global new world order. This would be under one person, so we're looking at a global dictatorship. 
And another part of the problem is a lot of these monarchs and such were, let's say, being carefully and slowly manipulated by the Catholic Church. And Bartop had to also, among other, other things, destroy the religious effect over Europe and make sure that eventually it would be destroyed in America. And when you look at the history of it, sad but true, these things did happen. Bartop's seven-part plan is um, all but complete. When we think back, it was just back, not, not even what, 22 years ago when Papa Bush, as I call him, yeah. stood before Congress in 1990, and he proclaimed that we must create a new world order. After him, it was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev who was calling for, out of nowhere, a new world order. After him, it was Pope John Paul II. After him, it was Prince Charles of England, and so on and so on and so forth. Now, this was no new catchphrase that Papa Bush had created. No. He was repeating the marching orders of his masters in the order of the Illuminati. Remember, it was Vitop himself who, who penned the seven-part plan that called for the creation of a new world order. But one interesting question. Now, before Papa Bush used the term new world order, want to take a wild guess as to who used it before him? Huh. Yeah, I'm really not too sure. Possibly, maybe, well, yeah, uh, Adolf Hitler. It was Adolf Hitler, yeah. The new, yeah, the New Order, yep. Mm -hmm. And the reason he was doing it was because he was um, put in power by the same people in the Order of the Illuminati. Now, interesting, um, when we think about this, let's even extrapolate. Wasn't Hitler also call, calling for the thousand years like of Germany? Okay, now let's bring it to Papa Bush. Wasn't he calling for the thousand points of light? Yeah, thousand points of light, yeah. Now, what all this is in reference to, this is just um, Illuminati codes that um, they're using here. This is in direct reference to their belief that Christ is not going to rule during the millennial reign. They believe that their God, known as Lucifer, is going to reign over the earth for a thousand years. Now, let me explain this to you so you can understand it from an Illuminati um, perspective. The Illuminati are absolutely convinced that in the beginning, God was, I mean, was Lucifer was equal to God in all things. However, as the millenniums rolled by, it was God who became jealous of Lucifer's equality with them. So he had his two-thirds of the angels cast out Lucifer and his followers out of heaven. Right now, the Illuminati are convinced that they are literally summoning up enough of the force to where at the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to kill God and the Holy Spirit and put Lucifer on the throne where they feel he rightfully belongs. And right now, Christ is chained to a huge boulder in hell because it betrayed the cause. 
they don't believe that uh, Lucifer is the same as Satan, do they? They believe that he's no, 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 the no. god of light. Oh, no, oh, no, no. Satan is just a Christian boogeyman that was created to keep the little kids in line. You know how your parents are If you don't behave, you're going to go to such and such place, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's all they see him as. Okay, so that's that's how they view him. Right. Okay. So the, so their Lucifer is more of a, uh, that that's like the, the uh, kind of like a, uh, a, a Prometheus kind of character, that he gives the knowledge and the light to, to mankind. Exactly. Okay. You know, the hidden, the hidden, <laughs> excuse me, the hidden or the secret wisdom. See, that's what the name Lucifer, um, um, well, Lucifer means um, um, the morning star. Yeah. Now, when you look at the order of the Illuminati, the Illuminati from the Latin means the wise ones or the bearers of light. You said you worked with the military, right? Yes. Uh, could you maybe describe a little bit of the practice that you'd, you'd go to? I mean, uh, go, th- go through? What do you mean? Uh, what, did, what did they have you doing specifically? The military or the Illuminati? The Illuminati. Yeah. Well, as it says, I was busy um, running covens at that point. Um, when I was in Seattle, Washington, we had a major um, coven in um, the Puget Sound area. And in that area, interesting enough, I, I remember, oh, it must have been a good 15, 20 years ago, I was doing a particular radio show, and an old colleague of mine, um, Dr. Ted, Ed, Dr. Ted L. Gunderson, he passed away a couple of years ago now, um, he brought... Uh, a friend of his on who happened to have been a police officer who was from that area. And I'm explaining on the radio show about the drug drug trafficking that was being done there and the human slave industry that was also going on in that area. And the officer um, stopped me and and he says, wait a second, um, are we talking about, and I don't remember the exact area, but, and I said, yeah. And I said, and he says, now, how were you bringing them in and out? It says, it was easy. We, were, um, we had the warps under our control, so, you know, we were sending people in and out like you can't imagine. And that's when he said, you were the ones I had been trying to bust back in that time. Whoa. Huh. Yeah. Well, I hate to say this, but <clears throat> he was trying to go up against the order of the Illuminati. It's not going to happen like that. Um, and, Dr. and yes, so, um, oh, sorry. I, I just simply explained to him exactly what we were doing, and um, hopefully he was able to pass that information on to, you know, others he had known back then. Doc, what is your take on what's, uh, just kind of digress a little bit, what's kind of your take on, like, the whole, uh, the whole Sandy Hook thing? Do you think that there's anything involved, uh, like Illuminati... Uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything this well orchestrated since 9/11. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind whatsoever. I know when I see the footprints of the Illuminati. This is definitely them. Let's go back to what I said before. 
for a year. They have been trying to take away Americans' rights to bear arms according to the Second Amendment, correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, there was an immediate resistance. So, what did Obama and his brilliant, brilliancy do? Well, it wasn't Obama, but it was the Illuminati. They immediately, now think about this, immediately started orchestrating these contrived occurrences. And seemingly, one incident right after another has been happening. I mean, in all of U.S. history, never once have we ever seen such death and destruction under, you know, um, the so-called illegal firearms in all of history. We just have never seen anything like this before. And it came literally out of nowhere. Why? Because the Illuminati could not take away the weapons immediately. So they came up with the so-called, um, what's, well, you've heard of the Hegelian dialect, right? Yeah, the dialectic, Hegelian dialectic. Yeah. Right. You um, cause a problem and you sweep in with the answer you're already prepared and you look like a supposed savior at that point. Right. <sighs> and that's what they were doing. And every single and after every single incident, when people dug in even further, as far as their resolve to refuse to give up the Second Amendment right, well, they continued on with the next incident and the next one. And I remember... Um, when they had asked me on another um, radio show about the Aurora, Colorado incident at that movie theater, I said, if you really think it's going to stop here, you better uh, hold your breath because it's not over by a long shot. It was just getting started then. Yeah, and sure enough, it kept going, and it's going to keep going until they realized um, they made a serious miscalculation as far as Americans resolve to keep the Second Amendment, or until they can make an incident so big and so grand in the scale that, by law, they could force Americans to give up their weapons. But I say by law, jokingly, because the Second Amendment grants us that right. But, nevertheless, we still see that usurper to the White House illegally trying to take away our weapons. But as I said, keep an eye open. This is not over by a long shot. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, there, there seems to be a real pattern of uh, just a, who, who could really go in there and do that and kill like 20 kids. You know, it's just, it's just absurd. Well, you see, I, I know that the incidences happen, and I feel so sorry for those parents and friends who have to deal with the mess of all this. But the fact of the matter is, these are contrived occurrences. Someone is causing these things behind the scenes to happen. And I know an Illuminati set up when I smell one. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, give us one second. We're working out some technical things here yeah <laughs> sorry about that yeah you back alright we seem to be having some technical difficulties they might be jamming the signal huh 
Well, as I said, of the last um, 12 shows I've done, 10 of them, there has been um, seven mysterious problems with the phone lines. Um, on one show in particular, we were able to record the actual jamming signal that they were using to block the um, radio waves from going out. And um, there has been incidences where the entire um, blog talk or whatever I was speaking on suddenly dropped completely. Doc, do you have, uh, have you ever had any, uh, just to ask you, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but... Uh... I ever had any attempts in my life. Yeah, any threats or... T- I, lost, um, I lost count after 50 different attempts. Wow. They've tried to stab me. They've tried to poison me. They've tried to shoot me. They've tried to run me over. I mean, there's only, you know, so many different ways that they can do it. And as I said, after 50 different attempts, I lost count. <laughs> right. You know, you see, the problem is, it's not me, the person, that they worry about. It's what I know that they're afraid of. And it was back in 1979, I started um, revealing everything about the Illuminati. And of course, back then in 79, no one had heard of any of this. Most people thought that this was just a tasteless joke at best. But winded up 33, 34 years later, um, people have stopped laughing. Everything I've been trying to warn about, everything I've been telling them about the Illuminati's plans, their goals for the New World Order, it's all coming to pass right before their very eyes. And people just don't know exactly what to do about it, which is why, among other things, I've created a DVD series called Secrets of the Illuminati. And anyone can find it on my website. And what we're doing, we are exposing everything that the Illuminati have been done, have been doing so that hopefully through the process of educating people in America around the world, if there's still enough time, we can put an end to all this. Doc, can you kind of explain about, uh, well, actually, before I get to that question, I wanted to ask you real quick, have you met anyone else that was involved with this? Only one other person that only one other person that I personally knew who had left and lived for any length of time, her name was Elaine. But Elaine died a number of years ago. It, it was from, you know, um, health um, complications. They didn't get her. She just, you know, some, had some serious health issues. Sure. But um, aside from Elaine, I personally don't know of anyone else was actually in the order of the Illuminati that left in the cell alive. Now, I've heard tales of one or two other people, or actually two or three by now, um, but I've never spoken to them. I've never met them head on because there were certain questions I could ask them that would let me know immediately if they were telling the truth or not. Yeah, you, and, would, um, you would know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way you could be trained in the order of the Illuminati and miss those things I would ask you about. There's absolutely no way. One of the things I wanted, um, when I think of the Illuminati, I think of a, I, I really do kind of think of a, kind of a, 
kind of a Masonic society. And I don't really think in the in the in the term in the the term witch. Um, why why did they? I, I guess that must be an inner secret that they have that they call themselves witches. Uh, why well, do they call they, themselves that? Well, when we look at the definition of witch, basically it means a wise one or a wise person. Okay. You know, and um, that's what they consider themselves to be. You see, the Illuminati not only believe that they are intellectually superior to every single person on the earth, but <laughs> if we go by their writings, they believe that they also have a higher quality of humanity or humanness to themselves. In other words, they think that they're superior to everyone in every possible way. Anyone who is not one of them, they consider to be just chattel. And that's it. You know, so much human livestock that can be bought, sold, traded, or killed on a whim. That's how they look um, at you and Luke and me and everyone else in this world that is not one of them. You're just human livestock that can be bought, sold, traded, or killed up at a whim. Um, I'd like to ask you if uh, you still practice any kind of occult magic ritual or anything. No, like I'm that a born again Christian. Say again? I'm a born again Christian. I would never dare touch anything like that again. Okay, I, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. I, did, I didn't get filled in on that. No, no. No, I'll have nothing to do with anything like that ever again. Yeah, but yeah, you 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 know about it though, and, and you can you, you can kind of teach it, uh, people against it, I suppose. That's why I've been exposing the Illuminati and all these yeah. other things almost thirty-four years. I'd like to talk about some about, uh, I wanted to talk about the cards, the Illuminati cards. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've seen, uh, I was actually at the, uh, what was it, the um, Future Congress one. And I did oh, see, this one put on by Brian Hall. Yeah, uh, the one. Uh, oh, incredible man, he does such a faithful job every year of putting on Future Congress. I think it's up to number 12 or 13 by now. This is the one with Tom Horn, that Tom Horn did, David Hitt, in uh, 2011. Yes, um, I know um, both of them quite well. As a matter of fact, I spoke for um, David Hitt just um, back in um, January at um, a prophecy summit that they held in Houston, Texas. I, I, I did see your um, your um presentation on the uh, on on the cards and uh, mm -hmm. I, I know that they are they, they're from a role-playing game from the 90s well that was the, the outer reason for their creation okay See, the cards themselves were um, printed between the years 1982 and 1995 a 13-year printing not an accident trust me and these cards, there are three different sets of them. 
are very, very um, seemingly on the surface prophetical in nature. Because among other things, they predicted the destruction of the Pentagon and the um, Twin Towers during 9-11. They also showed that the Capitol and the White House, which were also slotted to be hit and destroyed, were left unscathed just as the cards showed that they would be. And the first person that we would blame, and it's in the cards again, would be um, Saddam Hussein. All that was in the Illuminati cards. Uh, Other incidences such as um, the BP oil spill, the Fukushima Daiichi power plant disaster, the death of Princess Diana of um, England, so on and so forth. There's so many things in there that they said would happen, and it has. <laughs> what do you know about the illustrator of the cards? Now, this is what's interesting. Steve Jackson, who was supposed to have been the person responsible for their creation, his office was um, um, raided, I think it was by the FBI or the CIA, I can't remember which. It's, it's one of the government parties. And all the equipment and everything else was confiscated because they wanted to know where did this man get his information from. Was this after 9-11 that this happened? That there was, that the, his office I think it had been closed since 95. Uh, right. Um, um, but um, they, they've been uh, pu- uh, trying to put out um, new things. As a matter of fact, I think, now don't quote me on this, but I believe that they're going to try to put out another Illuminati set. I, I don't know um, for sure, as I said, I'm waiting on this, because, see, I, I was very, very fortunate in that once I saw the cards, I knew what was going to happen. I've got the complete sets in my possessions, and for anyone else who's, who tries to get them, I'm not kidding. You can go on eBay, but good luck, because just trying to get one of the original sets, I've seen um, bids over $3,000. $3,000 for a set of cards? For the original, for one of the original sets, yes. And I think you have some of them, don't you? I have. I ha- As I said, I have the original two sets in my possession. We're getting weird things going on again. Yeah, same problem is happening. <laughs> it just, it just uh, dropped my computer off of it. Uh, hopefully his is still recording. Yeah, it is. You can tell. Okay. <laughs> and you back in, Luke. Alright. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> We're trying to get it together here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, too. I'm a little under the weather tonight myself, so. Well, we keep plotting on. Yep. Uh,. Also, too, about uh, a couple of interesting things I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, the Great Seal of the United States, that's one we see on our money every day, and nobody really knows what it means. And the second thing is that's uh, very interesting that you kind of touched on briefly was kind of the root of um, 
of Nimrod and I believe the Queen of Heaven, uh, Semiramis, of being kind of the root of, of the occult and witchcraft? Well, yeah, it was um, them two that started the very first religion on the face of the earth, and that's known as witchcraft. You figure that happened back during um, when Nimrod was first establishing his kingdom, and by my um, um, memory, he um, set up ten nations within that kingdom of his, and of course, they eventually started building the Tower of Babylon. What had happened, I believe it was, it was his uncle Shem, when he found out, and I'm talking of Shem of um, Shem, Ham, and Jacob, the um, three sons of Noah. Right. Uh, once his uncle found out about this religion of his, what he established, um, according to the story, Shem took his own nephew, Nimrod, outside of the city walls and killed him on the spot. He then cut his body up into ten pieces and sent one piece to each of the cities as a warning to the next person who would dare blaspheme God in that fashion. Well, his mother, Semiramis, being the smart cookie that she was, took the entire religion and pushed it underground. But at that point, the damage had already been done. Witchcraft had begun to spread throughout the world once um, people's tongues were confused after the um, Tower of Babylon. You see, when people were dispersed throughout the world at that point, they didn't forget their occult religion. They took it with them. And as they established their own nations and own languages, the only thing that changed were the names, and that was only in accordance to the new dialect that it was being translated into. The same gods remained the same. The same belief system had been there. It was just under a different name now. Nothing new had changed aside from that. So that that reminds me of uh, the the ten different pieces. That reminds me of the story of Osiris. And well, that's Isis where they get the, that's where they get the story of Osiris from. Hmm. So it's just another countercultural story based upon the original events that happened in Babylon. Right. Uh, also, too, the Great Seal of the United States. The, uh, I'm not, the the, I'm not two seals. They are not your two seals. They never have been, never will be. Those are the two seals of the Order of the Illuminati. When I was in the Illuminati, I had seen many documents in wax uh, that bore those seals. Now, in the United States of America, the highest form of law is a treaty. There's nothing higher than that. It's not even subject to the ratification of Congress. Sure. You can't show me one treaty, one amendment, one ratification to an amendment, a cons um, um, an executive order, um, or anything of those nature that bear both those seals. Because, first of all, those aren't the seals of the United States of America. Those are the seals of the Illuminati. Second of all, the seal that bears the pyramid on it has never been cast yet. It does not exist. The one with the eagle exists, but the one with the pyramid never has, never will, because those, as I stated, belong in the order of the Illuminati. Now, for almost 34 years, I've challenged people to come up with just one document that bear those two seals 
as I said, a treaty, ratification to an amendment, an amendment, an executive order, anything of that nature, come up with just one document that bear both those seals. And in the first 34 years I've been doing it, no one has ever done it. Why? Because that second seal doesn't exist. So any of those laws, so-called laws, that's being signed into action, they're all illegal because they don't bear the two great seals. That's interesting. Yeah, never really thought of it that way. Uh, Doc, uh, uh, over uh, the uh, summer last year, I had the chance to go to uh, uh, the temple, the Masonic Temple, Scottish Rite Masonic Temple in Washington, D.C., Oh, you mean the House of the Temple? Yeah, the House of the Temple. I believe you saw the picture of me sitting there on the throne. Yes, and, I did. Uh, <laughs> I recognized that throne immediately, if you remember. Uh huh. And, and um, it was uh, it was very interesting. You know, a lot of things. Of course, Albert Pike is buried in there, um, and it's kind of like more of a shrine to Albert Pike than anything else. I have a story about it, but I kind of wanted to get your idea about, uh, you know, how are the, is the 33rd degree, the Scottish Rite, are they, are they the Illuminati? Are they somehow linked to them in a way? Well, some of them are. You see, if we go by the writings, um, the letters of um, Albert Pike to Giuseppe Manzini, and Manzini was the second head of the Order of the Illuminati after Weishaupt had died back in 1830. Um, Pike and Manzini had written quite a number of letters back and forth to each other. And it was because of that, among other things, that um, General Albert Pike became the head of um, the entire southern jurisdiction of Masonry. Um, In one of those letters, um, Pike had stated, you may repeat it, now we're talking about um, the Illuminati now, you may repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st, and 30th degree, that the Masonic religion should be held by all the high initiates and the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. See, Pike very well knew what the Masons um, were really getting into now. And it was because of Pike that all the um, rituals that you see nowadays in Masonry, it was really Pike who revamped them all and rewrote them and made them to what they are. As a matter of fact, one of the um, Masonic writers once stated that Albert Pike took Masonry out of the log cabin and put it into the temple. And so Pike um, is considered to be one of the three greatest Masonic writers in Masonic history. And yes, he was one of them. So he was he was one of the Illuminati and he established that 33rd degree in the here Well, the 33rd America. degree um, is supposedly just um, a symbolic degree or an honorary degree, but that's right. not the truth. You see, there's a secret about the 33rd degree, and I'll explain it to you. At the end of the um, ceremony itself, 
um, um, to become a 33rd degree mason. You will be escorted, escorted to a room, and there's, there's going to be in that room two thrones. The throne on the left-hand side will um, have all the regalia of a monarch. The throne on the right-hand side will have all the regalia of a priest. Now, there'll be one person in that room with you, and he's going to say one and only one word. He'll say, choose. Now, if you choose the regalia of a monarch, well, he's going to shake your hand, pat you on the back, and you get your 33rd degree, honorary um, degree, and diploma, and everything else. Now, if you choose the regalia of a priest, at that point, they will have realized you've gained enough enlightenment and that you, at the same time, are going to be initiated as a first-level Illuminati witch. Mm. That's the big secret behind becoming a 33rd-degree Mason. So that's what you, 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 you choose it. Yes. Uh, you see, it goes back to a very, very old saying in the Illuminati. There's a saying that goes... Um, let the kings be kings, let the priests be priests, let the bankers be bankers. What it is saying is that let whoever wants to rule the country rule it, because everyone knows the priests rule the kings, but it's the bankers who control the priests. Who control everybody else. In other words, it falls into what's known as the golden rules. Whoever has the gold makes all the rules. Yeah. And that's, that's why, to this very day, the Rothschilds are the head of the order of the Illuminati. I think that's pretty pertinent to what's going on today. I mean, it seems like the banks, uh, all the all the bankers and such, they just uh, that, and um, they, they seem to be more in control than anybody else. Well, of course, because um, there's only two nations now that's left that do not have a Rothschild-controlled central banking system. You see, a number of American presidents were assassinated because they tried to stop or reverse um, what constitutionally can only be described as an illegal central banking system under the Federal Reserve Act. Um, we go by the writings of the Constitution, it clearly points out that only and only Congress has the authority to print money. They're the only ones. And yet, we've allowed an illegal agency to enter American soil, print money that isn't worth the paper it's printed on, and mind you, charge us a tax on it to pay them for the usage of that illegal currency. Yeah, charges interest on it. Yes. Yeah. Now that is insane. But <coughs> this is what <coughs> excuse me, this is what we've allowed to happen. I mean, it was that it was for that reason that um, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, 1863. Excuse me. Um, he himself 
um, was noted for blocking the central banking system from coming into America because he said it would be the death of us all. Um, look at what happened with John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, he, t he himself stated two weeks before he was assassinated that he was going to reveal the true power behind the government and that he was going to make it his business to put us back on legal currency. Anyone who's ever tried to block the Illuminati from putting in their central banking system have been knocked off. Ends up dead. <laughs> exactly. I want to tell you my story real quick. When I went to the, when we went to the temple, this is odd. You know, I was there with my yeah. Dad what were you and, doing in the house of the temple? <laughs> well, I just, I was just curious. It was just a, it just seemed like an interesting thing to do. You better make sure I don't find out you're a closet mason. No, I'm not. Trust me. <laughs> Luke might be. I don't know. But, no. Uh, <laughs> no, Luke sounds like he's got an honest voice. I've already seen your picture. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh, yeah, I, so we go in there, I'm with my dad and my stepson, and we're, we're doing the tour, you know, and they had a gift shop and everything, and, uh, so, and we're doing the tour, right, and, uh, my stepson, he's about, he's 15 now, he's 14 then when we went, and, uh, he goes, this guy comes up to him and says, uh, hey, come here, I want to show you something, this guy in a suit, and, uh, it wasn't anybody that was with our tour group, and he said, no, I, I really don't want to go with you or anything. And um, I'm just curious if you have an idea about uh, what that was about. <laughs> I have no idea. I wasn't there. <laughs> well, it was just like, I just, he was trying to, going to show him something or... Pull him away from the rest yeah, of the group. Yeah, pull him away from the rest from the group. It was just really, really it was really odd. I would have gone with him just to find out. Yeah, that's what I told him. I said, man, you could have infiltrated for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about um, their infiltration because I have hundreds of their own um, Masonic books, and I can't even tell you how many of them are coded. But I was in the Illuminati, so I know how to read their codes. I know what they're really saying. <laughs> well, Doc, I wanted to ask you before we, we, we let you go here. Um, uh, what's next for you? What are you doing now? Um, you know, well, I'm going to be in um, Waterflow, New Mexico next week. Um, if people would go to my website at www.itsagodthingproductions777.com. Now that's It's a God Thing Productions 777.com. And um, look under the... Um, Oh, what, what, what second is that called? The um, upcoming events. Um, you'll see um, the different um, places I'll be speaking in and other places I've spoken in, um, radio shows, so on and so forth. It's all there on my website. Or if people want, they can find me on Facebook, you know, just, you know, Doc Marquis, or they can call me at 402-228-9478. And if they call me any time after 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll usually be home by then. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Doc, so much for coming on. Uh, stay on the line with us. We're going to close this section out. But just stay on the line so we can say goodbye to you. And, you got uh, it. Luke, we're going to go to, uh, to, the, to the outro. All righty. All right. Well, we will be right back on Conspiranormal.
Alright, we are back on Conspiranormal. What'd you think, Luke? Tell me about the rituals. Yeah, That's you're, what I want to know. You're, you're frustrated, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a little bit about that before. And, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I was pretty happy with that interview. Yeah, it, but, it, was, uh, it was cool. It's pretty cool. You know, it's it pretty cool. I mean, it, 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 at the least, it's pretty good information, I think. I mean, you know. So... Any insights into it? What you thought? Well, yeah, like like I was saying, it was interesting how he was saying that uh, the Illuminati order is higher than the Masons, and you had to get to the thirty third degree, and after the thirty third degree, then you could, you know, ascend a higher level into the Illuminati, like it was a group above, yeah, right? like uh-huh. a, a promotion, right? Um, yeah, that was pretty neat. I never really thought of it like that before. You know, it, yeah, it was. Uh, telling him about that stuff i was hoping he could kind of give me some insight into what uh what happened with my stepson there when they told him to when the guy asked him to come yeah into the little room you know absolutely right like he wasn't there you know right yeah yeah yeah. that guy could have been a creepy pedophile trying to give him candy true well i think they're probably all creepy pedophiles man Eh. as we heard about in uh right before we started the show I would, uh, I've ran this through my mind over and over and over again, and I just cannot, I, I think I have an idea, I don't really want to say it, but while these men in power have some kind of um, attraction to young boys. Go ahead and say it, let's what, talk about it. Well, I think it's to do this is, uh, with, with the adult act, version of conspiracy. I actually think it's to do with, with stealing their energy, stealing their spirit, and they kill them yeah. after they try to... They somehow probably try to steal their spirit energy and keep it from, you know, going to a different plane or whatever. Uh, something to because the, this whole sexual abuse thing I think is tied in with sacrifice, and the sacrifice is just part of it. The sexual yeah. abuse, uh, Kundalini stealing sexual energy from the boys and then disposing of the bodies is a ritual sacrifice part. Yeah, you. Um, it's it's like they're trying to get the power. Right. Like the the energy right of that child exactly, and just like a Native American would kill a deer or something like that and eat its heart, you know, thinking that it was eating uh, or gaining the power of that deer's spirit. Yeah, same same uh, motive. Now don't get me wrong; I'm not excusing human sacrifice. No, no, no. But in yeah, any, but, any way. It, but we, we we don't we don't we don't advocate human sacrifice. No, no, no. And, and I, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that a lot of elitists are really just twisted in the mind. You know, they're not. Yeah. They're they've got a lot of psychological problems and stuff. You know, uh, this this uh, desire for power and whatnot. But if if you could have any beautiful woman in the world that you wanted, you know, innocent or not, and then put them next to little boys, I mean, like who would pick little boys? Our little girls, our teenage girls. Yeah, that, our, that happens our, too, right? You know, okay. But the common theme just, seems to be little boys. Yeah. Uh, I I think what it is is that people uh, once they get to a certain level, is they get so they just get bored. They just get bored with anything that they have. And now it becomes a game of what I could get away with. What you can get away with. Yeah. So that's why you probably have like weird things going on, like snuff films and stuff like that. It's just, just just absolute just total depravity and. In weirdness, and you know, I think we talked about it on one of the other show. I think we mentioned it briefly. Remember, I showed you an article about a uh, 
uh, something going on in Uganda where yeah. they're sacrificing little boys. I was about to mention that. For basically like these guys are going in like, like, or, or like normal run-of-the-mill businessmen. Flying into Africa yeah. to choose their uh, boy yeah. to sacrifice. You get the yeah. witch doctor to sacrifice a little boy for you. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then there's all this other weird kind of stuff that, like, I was I was listening to uh, a podcast not too long ago, and they were talking about how there was, a, like, a, like albinos in Africa are valuable. Like, if you cut off the arm of an albino oh, child and give yeah. it to a uh, witch doctor, then that gives you some kind of right. power or potency. That, that, kind of, that uh, starts starts to get hazy there with all of their traditions because that goes back to their weird tribal yeah. thing. They still believe that you could just go to the witch doctor and have them have you do some weird kind of like voodoo practice or whatever right. and get rid of your uh, get rid of your ailments going on. And they had to have nothing to do, like say you got an STD, you know, they, that has nothing to do with that, yeah. what they had well, you do. That's the other thing too, like they were talking about uh, uh, guys that... Uh, that have HIV in Africa, which of course you know Africa's got the highest level of HIV infection, you know, AIDS per capita in, in the world. In the world, yeah. yeah. And and they said that if you go and have sex with a virgin, then that magically gets rid of your AIDS. Exactly. That's the witch doctor crap that they still believe in. Yeah, it's weird. And then there's also it's it's mixed in with this kind of strange form of Christianity too, which is like the. Where you get the Uganda, what's the guy, the Joseph Coney guy, you know, the whole, yeah. Coney yeah. 2012, help us against Coney. <laughs> help us invade, help us invade Africa. Help us uh, put all of your money into our pockets. That's right, yeah. Well, the guy was, uh, that guy was kind of weird too, because he was, uh, remember he was like, uh, found later naked on the street. Yeah, masturbating on the street corner. <laughs> yep. That's the kind of quality stuff we like to talk about on Conspiracy Normal. But uh, next week, we're going to have on a guy named Chris Putnam, and he's, you know, the whole thing with the Pope. He uh, co-wrote a book about the St. Malachi prophecy, mm. which is, anybody's not familiar with that, that's basically the prophecy, the guy in, you know, I think in the 1100, St. Malachi wrote a prophecy about the, all the coming popes from his time, and supposedly... This pope that just retired a few days ago was the next to last pope, and now we're going to have the last pope, and uh, we're going to talk about to, about that, and also kind of like the uh, Vatican uh, um, interest in UFOs, which is something that no, a lot of people don't know about. So yeah. <laughs> well, if there's anything you want to add? I think we'll call it a night. It's getting kind of late. I know you got to go. Uh, go uh, do some heavy drinking yeah so. I guess uh, my girlfriend bought me a 12 pack when she went grocery shopping man. I, I've got the best girl in the world you gotta just, keep her man ju- yeah just on record I, you can't You can't get no better <laughs> you can't get no better I, I hope she's listening she, she'll never to contribute, listen contribute to your alcoholism she'll, she'll never listen to one of our shows oh man I'll say that <laughs> if Chris is on she'll listen oh yeah right that's true <laughs> She's never met Chris, but once she listens to Chris's well, I mean, voice, yeah, Chris is just Chris is just awesome. And uh, you know, we want to thank Doc Marquis for coming on. It was, it was a pretty awesome guest. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good information. Yeah. That he he talked about. Uh, and it was definitely a different perspective than what we're used yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen to his story. Uh, I mean, he he seems 
like he believes what happened. So, you know, I don't know about the Illuminati cards. I'm still skeptical about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll remain skeptical about and that. I'm skeptical too, but I do think that there's something going on there. I mean, it's a little bit more than coincidence. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, Luke, why don't you take us out, man? All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Conspiranormal. And hopefully you'll join us next time. Yeah, hopefully. It's a complete disaster in the show. <laughs> a nice mellow ending. Chris should be back, everybody. Yeah, Chris will be here. <laughs> All right, join us next week, next time on Conspiranormal. Now you're you're painting a picture of uh, lots of sort of high-level paedophile characters in the centre of government. What on earth purpose would that serve? Oh, if someone is inclined in that direction and you can supply them with boys, then you've got a hold on them or girls. There's nothing worse for a politician than being exposed in the murder and sexual abuse of young people. And if you've got a politician who is abusing and killing young girls and boys, but boys or girls, then you've got a hold on them. This has been a standard German intelligence tactic for decades. Well, surely it's not just the Germans. I mean, the British intelligence surely are using these kinds of tactics. Any intelligence service would want to. No, we're the good guys. I mean, MI5 and MI6 don't do murder. Obviously, occasionally it's necessary to take people out, but that's always done by independent contractors. We're the good guys. Um, we... You're English. You would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I am British. I'm in favour of the British, and I certainly count myself as a patriotic Englishman, and uh, I am a Britisher, yes. But we are the good guys, and one of the reasons why we're the good guys is we don't approve of the killing of children. We've never got British intelligence setting up a shooting like the Sandy Hook shooting in the United States, which was again was set up by the Germans via Mexico, and a bunch of crazy Mexican drug gangsters rolling up to a school shooting up the kiddies. I and mean, it's just absolute nonsense.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.